Hi, I'm Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing that I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 48. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Healing Catalyst and to our first Ask Me Anything episode. Okay, but don't worry if you didn't get a question in on time for this episode. We'll be doing an Ask Me Anything episode every single month. So if you'd like to be on the show to ask me a question, please click the link in the show notes and you can leave me a voice message. And who knows, you might be on the next episode in May. And to all of you who submitted questions through voice messages on Instagram and through email, thank you so, so much. We got so many great questions. And although we can't get to all of them today, I promise I'll be answering all of your questions in future episodes. And one more quick announcement. We won't be releasing a new episode next week because I'll be away on a retreat with my sister, Anjali, in Mexico City. But don't worry, I'll be back on May 10th with a new episode for you. Okay, so let's get back to today's episode. Now, we wanted to make this more fun, more like I wanted to make this more fun. And also, so I'm not just talking to myself, asking myself questions and then answering them. That's really kind of hard, actually. I enlisted the help of my dear friend, Tracy Glass. Tracy is a branding consultant focusing on the wellness space. As a founder and chief strategist at Conscious Brand Labs, she advises thought leaders and companies on their overall brand strategy including content, social media, product innovation, and more. She's also a dear friend and an advisor to me, and she graciously agreed to be here for today's episode to ask me questions. So this is more of a conversation and more fun. Tracy and I get into a review of some basics of Ayurveda, the doshas, my perspective on dosha quizzes, and how to go from knowledge to action when it comes to health and wellness. We also discuss the important difference between popular cleanses and an Ayurvedic digestive reset and detoxification. So let's jump into this first Ask Me Anything episode. I hope that you love it. And if you find it helpful, please pass it along to someone who could benefit from this information. Tracy, thank you so much for doing this special episode, our first Ask Me Anything episode. And I'm so excited that you're here with me to help me ask the questions and just to be able to talk and have a conversation. So it's not just me answering questions into the ether. Yeah, thank you so much, Avanti. I'm so, so, so excited to be doing this. And I have so many questions for you as well. Um, And we'll be bringing in lots of questions from our listeners. It's going to be really fun. I'm, I'm super excited. Okay, so let's just dive in. We're going to see how this goes with all the questions that we've been getting on SpeakPipe. We've been getting voice messages and I've been getting messages on Instagram and a couple emails. So we have a lot to go through and we actually are not going to be able to get to every question, but that's okay because we're going to be doing this every month. So we'll get to it next month then. Terrific. Okay, let's dive in. We're going to start with a question that we get all the time. And I'm sure you've answered this many, many times. What is Ayurveda? Okay. So, you know, what is Ayurveda? Yeah, that is a question I get a lot. So Ayurveda is a sister science of yoga, and it's the healing science that comes from South Asia, from India. The essence of Ayurveda, if I was to break it down to like one sentence, it's really this idea that when you live in harmony with nature, you will have optimal health and a vibrant life like period, full stop. That's really what it's about. And it's this idea that, you know, everything in the universe, including human beings are made from the same five elements, um, air, space, fire, water, and earth. And so when you have harmony within you of those five elements, and you live in harmony with the elements that are outside of you in the universe, you will have balance, you know, whatever that, you know, sort of, mysterious term of balance is, but from an Ayurvedic perspective, it's you will have the natural balance that you were born with within you, which means that 
you won't have symptoms and illness and chronic disease, right? The idea in Ayurveda, and you know, the, the problem is, is that I think that the concept of balance is a tricky one in the Western world, right? Because we have this idea that we have to be like juggling tons of balls in the air is what I think of, or balancing on a balance beam. But it's more in Ayurveda, the concept of balance is balancing your natural state. It's balancing the proportions of those different elements within you to your natural state of balance, because then that prevents you from having illness, symptoms, disease, right? Does that make sense? So is that how you know when your balance is when you're free of symptoms or, and you're just feeling good in general? Yeah, that's exactly it. Now, the thing is, is that, you know, symptoms can be very, very subtle where we don't notice them at all, or we blow them off, right? How many of us do that on a daily basis? Yeah, I woke up with a headache. Ah, it'll go away. And I'm not saying that you need to like get stressed out about every time you have a headache or a stomachache. But I do think that the point here is that those symptoms are showing up to tell you that something's out of balance for you. And so just take a moment to reflect and become aware of like, why am I having a headache? You know, what have I been doing for the past week, two weeks that may be causing some slight imbalance that I'm having a headache today? So reflect on these different areas of your life that I always talk about on this podcast, which is, you know, uh, reflect on how is my diet been? And that's not just the food and drink, but everything that you're taking in from all over the world through all five of your senses, right? Um, what is the state of my relationships? What is, what is my environment been like? The spaces that I live, work and play in? What has my lifestyle been for the past, you know, two weeks? And what have I been doing to really nourish my passions and my interests? And, you know, how is my career or my, my work going, right? You start to look at all these areas of your life and you start to consider where could a small toxic load or toxic buildup be coming from that is then causing this symptom of a slight headache or a slight stomach ache showing up. So this idea of balance, right, is not about I have, you know, the same amount of time that I'm using, you know, doing my work and that I'm, you know, dealing with my family and I'm doing life. You know, it's not about that kind of balance, although it could be, it's really about balance within you and how are your, how are the elements that you were born with the proportions of those elements? How are they showing up for you? How are they balanced within you? Great. One of the questions that comes in a lot for us is how important is it to know your dosha mm -hmm. before diving in and learning all there is to learn about Ayurveda? So, you know, this is, a, this is a tricky question, right? Because I know everybody loves to find out what their dosha is because there's dosha quizzes. And I think it's sort of feeds into that whole thing of like, people want to know more about themselves and their personality. I totally get it. It's, it's very seductive to take a quiz. You know, I see my kids taking those quizzes on Buzzfeed and they're so popular, right? Because it's a, it's human nature to want to know what am I, you know, more about myself. And so I get that that is why dosha quizzes are so seductive. Here's the thing. When you're first starting with an Ayurvedic lifestyle, knowing that information isn't necessarily helpful. In fact, I will tell you that, you know, and I, I've said this before on this podcast, you know, every time I go and speak to a group, I will actually have people raise their hands and tell me, how many of you know your dosha? Because usually the people who are in there have some interest in Ayurveda. Maybe they've, you know, dabbled in it before. And about 50 to 70% of the, the audience will raise their hands and say, yes, I know my dosha. And then I'll ask the question, well, how has that information helped you? And I will tell you that maybe one person will raise their hand and answer and tell me how it's helped them. Most people in the audience have no idea how it's really helped them. So right there, it's sort of like, well, why is, why is knowing your dosha important then? I don't think that it is necessarily important until you get a little deeper into Ayurveda. The more important thing is to understand what I call the golden principle, this idea of like increases like and opposites reduce, and the idea of qualities in Ayurveda, right? All of the, the different elements, the five different elements have specific qualities that we all can describe, right? So if I ask you, Tracy, you know, can you describe the qualities of fire? What would you say? Heat, hot. Yeah. 
hot, sharp, right? Moving. Those are kind of, if you started thinking about, if I said, you know, what describe earth. Grounded. Yeah. Heavy. Nurturing. Dull, still, right? You, you can describe those things. I read this as a qualitative science. And so when you understand the qualities and this idea of the golden principle, you can then take any symptom that you're feeling, because usually if you're interested in Ayurveda, it's because you're not feeling great or you want to change something or you have low energy or whatever it is, right? You're coming to Ayurveda because something in your lifestyle is not working for you, right? That's usually why people are coming to Ayurveda. That's why I came back to Ayurveda because I wasn't feeling well in my, when I was in my medical training. I went back to what I grew up with. And so when you can apply this principle, you can take any symptom that you're feeling and say, what are the qualities of this symptom? So let's go back to that idea of the headache. You can say, I have a headache. What are the symptoms or what, what element is a headache? Well, for me, it feels like fire and fire has these qualities of sharp, hot, moving, right? So then the question becomes, well, okay, so what do I do with that? How can I help myself feel better? Well, you apply the golden principle of like increases, like and opposites reduce. So you know that to bring something that has the qualities of fire or hot, let's say, down to decrease that, right? Because opposites reduce, you need to apply something cool or cold. So then you can start thinking about, well, what are some things that I could eat in my diet? What are the experiences I could have? What kind of movement could I be doing? You think about those things and you start to think which things have the qualities of cool or, or cold. Let me start doing those things to try and bring that symptom, those qualities into balance. Nowhere in that discussion have I mentioned doshas. So knowing your dosha, it doesn't matter if you have a fire dosha or pitta, or if you have more of a kapha dosha of earth. The point is, is that you have the symptom of fire. So what are you going to do with that? So it's more situational and less about your makeup. Well, your genetic makeup, your dosha does matter. But what I'm saying is that in the beginning, when you're first starting out, it's not helpful because what happens is that people will find out what their dosha is. They'll get a list of these are the things that you should avoid. These are the things that you should increase or try to do. And then it just becomes another list, right? Another thing to do. And there's no real understanding of like, why am I actually doing this? How is it going to help me? Why would it keep me in balance? Instead, I find that when people understand how to apply these principles and these ideas of qualities and how to counterbalance them, then when you learn what the dosha is that you have, when you learn your dosha after that, you can really, really use this knowledge effectively. Then understanding that, oh, I'm a pitta makes more sense in the context of how do, I, how do I actually apply this principle? How do I apply this perspective of Ayurveda to my life? That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So it's not that I'm against dosha quizzes. I just don't think that they're helpful in the beginning. I think it becomes more confusing. And actually, I feel like for many people, it ends up preventing them from diving further into Ayurveda or really, really committing to an Ayurvedic lifestyle. Because again, it becomes a list of like, oh my gosh, I can't eat these foods. Oh, I have to eat those foods. Oh my gosh, I shouldn't be doing this. Oh, I should be doing that, right? It becomes so like restrictive in a way is how people perceive it, um, that they feel like unless I do it exactly the way this list is telling me to do things because of what my dosha is, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this. The other thing with, with doshas is that many times when you do these quizzes, you actually don't get very accurate information because the questions, the way that they're put up is um, really trying to figure out how you've been historically through your whole life. If we're trying to figure out what your, you know, your blueprint is, what you were born with, right? So many times people will answer some of these questions um, confusingly in the sense of they'll mix up how they're answering. They might answer some of the questions about, you know, body characteristics for historical because they haven't really changed. Right. And then they'll answer questions about sleep or behaviors or patterns um, more 
of what's been going on in the past few years, which that is not what you were born with, right? So the, the answers actually become confused. And so what you get as your dosha is not actually accurate. So your dosha should never change because it's what you're born with. Exactly. But your needs may change from time to time based on what's going on in your life. Exactly. And so there's the two different things, right? So there's your doshas that you were born with, which, which is your prakriti, your genetic blueprint. That does not change. It's your vikriti or the imbalance or the symptoms that you are going through right now, that will change. And quite literally, that changes every minute. Like from the moment that you're born, you will never be in your full dosha, your, your uh, prakriti that we were born with. You're going to keep going in and out, you know, closer to your natural state, further away. Like that just, that's just the way it is. Life is always changing. And so are we, right? So you're never going to be, the point of Ayurveda is to, how do you learn to course correct and come back as close to you as you can to your natural state, to your prakriti or your, the doshas that you were born with, that balance. How, how can you continually be course correcting and coming back to that place, right? Because the further and further that you get away from your natural state of balance, the more symptoms, the more illness, the more chronic disease you'll have. When you were growing up, did your family talk about doshas? No, they didn't actually. This is what's so interesting is that, you know, and I always say this, we just lived an Ayurvedic lifestyle. It was just part of the way we lived and did things. There was not this concept of like, what's your dosha? I mean, my parents didn't talk to me about it. They, they probably knew, but they didn't really ever talk about it or bring it up. It was just sort of my propensity to do certain things is probably showing up as the dosha that they may have known I was, but no, we didn't talk about it. So you really didn't dive into that until you went back and, and started studying it as an adult. Yeah, I didn't at all. I, you know, I always say, I just thought that was the way we lived. That was just the way we did things. You know, we changed things with the seasons. We ate certain foods at certain times of the year. And I didn't honestly ask a lot of questions. I was just like, okay, sounds good. You know, my curiosity for that didn't happen till later. No, I, I find your story about how you came to Ayurveda um, as an adult in medical school so, so interesting. And for any listeners here that are new to your podcast, uh, I would love for you to tell all of us how, how you came to Ayurveda. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up with Ayurveda, you know, again, it was just the way we did things. And it wasn't until I was in my medical training and I started getting sick in the sense of like, I just had so many symptoms. I had stomach aches. I had headaches. I gained a lot of weight. I had plantar fasciitis in both feet. I had chronic back pain. You know, I had a lot of different symptoms that just never went away. And they were making me more and more tired. And then I started suffering from depression, anxiety. Um, and I had a lot of roles and responsibilities. You know, I was a, a medical student or resident. And then I was also married. I had two children because I had my kids in medical school. Um, I'm married to a South Asian man. So I had a lot of the pressures of of South Asian family dynamics uh, going on as well of two sets of parents, you know? So I had a lot, a lot to deal with. And so I used to think that all my symptoms were because of the stress of all that. And I'm, I'm sure that a lot, a lot was stress for sure. That was definitely a big factor in all of this. But I think what happened for me is realizing that for the first 25 years of my life, I never had any medical issues. I never had any health issues. I never had any symptoms. I was really lucky. I was very, I was really pretty balanced. And I started to reflect on that a lot. And around the same time, my paternal grandfather, my Babaji passed away um, at the age of 89. And I started thinking about the fact that he was healthier at the age of 89, then much, much healthier at the age of 89 than I was at the age of 30 something that I was at that time. And I was like, well, how did that happen? And so I think a lot of reflection and sort of the light bulb started to go off in my head of like, maybe I should consider, you know, the way that we used to do things when I was growing up. And I started to look into that and I started to ask questions and talk to my mom and dad about it and talk to my aunts and uncles and 
the next thing I know, I was reading more and more about Ayurveda, which I was already interested in a lot of ancient healing systems anyway, when I was in my training. It's that story of when you are not well, when you are feeling sick, when you're feeling ill, that you start to go looking for answers. The same thing happened to me. So that's kind of in a nutshell. So interesting. Okay. I'm going to read some questions that came in from our listeners. Okay. This one's a two-part question, uh, came in from North Carolina and it's about processing emotions. Okay. The first question I've come to the realization that for most of my life, I have not really processed emotions and they've gotten stuck in my body and shown up as pain, stress, headaches, you name it. But I don't really understand how to process the emotions as they are happening. So I would love some tips from you, Avanti, about processing emotions. And then I'll tell you her second question and we can go back. Okay. The second question is, do you have a resource, maybe a website that lists accredited Ayurveda specialists? Yeah. Okay. So let me answer that question really fast. So for accredited Ayurveda uh, specialists, absolutely go to the National Ayurvedic Medical Association, their website, we will link it in the show notes. Um, and they have a directory on there to find practitioners. That is your best resource for finding people who have been well-trained um, and are accredited by NAMA, which is the abbreviation for the National Ayurvedic Medical Association. And we'll link that in the show notes. Okay, so the second question or the first question was about processing emotional toxins and how to do that constantly. So, you know, there's no magic answer to this. I think the first step is always awareness, right? The fact that you are aware that you need to process the emotions is the first step, because I think that most people actually don't even have the awareness that that's something they need to do right? They just walk around all day feeling a lot of emotions, whether it's anger or sadness or frustration or jealousy or whatever it is. And they, or anxiety, you know, whatever feelings they're feeling. And they don't even realize that that could be causing a toxic load within them. They just think this is the way they are going to have to, you know, just be right. So the awareness is so much the first step It's just saying, yeah, you know, I'm feeling these feelings. What, what's going on here? Now, as far as processing them, I think, you know, a lot of people will spend a lot of time, and this is my own personal experience as well, trying to figure out, well, why am I feeling this way? And I think that that can become a really like difficult place to be because it also can become like mental gymnastics. So like, well, why am I feeling angry? Why am I feeling this? Why am I feeling that? I have found that it is much more effective to say to yourself, Okay, I'm feeling these feelings. It doesn't matter where they're coming from. I am feeling them, right? In the moment. Now, again, we're talking about in the moment, right? I'm feeling these emotions and just honoring the fact that you're feeling those emotions. I mean, this gets into a, a bigger discussion of, I think that so many of us have been trained to think that we're not supposed to feel anything except for the quote, positive emotions. And that if we're feeling something quote, negative, there's a problem. And that's another discussion we can have. So I think just saying, yeah, I'm feeling really angry. I'm feeling really, really angry. When you can just acknowledge it. So you become aware and you acknowledge it. I think that that actually helps to start to process it because you're acknowledging it. I likened it to a little kid who's uh, standing at the, the door, just knocking. I was like, can I come in? Can I come in? Can I come in? If you keep ignoring them, they're just going to keep knocking. They're going to get more and more agitated, right? But if you acknowledge them and say, yeah, yeah, come in. They're not like knocking anymore, right? It's sort of this weird thing. I think that when you acknowledge that you have that anger or that feeling or that emotion, it can actually just settle down because you've said, yes, come in, sit down with me. I think that's the second step. So becoming aware, acknowledging it, right? And then you just have to let it go through you. And, and again, I'm, this is not some magic answer I can give you of how you process them. But I think you allow it to go through you, but you find what are the ways um, that you, what are the tools that you have to help you process things? So could you call a friend and talk about it? Could you call a family member? Could you go for a walk outside? 
to move that energy through, right? So I think that the third step that I'm saying is that how can you move that emotion through you? So it doesn't say stuck in you. So how can we move it through? And that's going to be different for every person. You know, unfortunately, I can't give you a magic answer on that. That's going to be different for every single person. So for some people, it's going in a room and like screaming and yelling into a pillow and that helps them release that emotion. And there's no, there's no judgment on how people do this. For other people, it's going outside and getting some fresh air or going for a run or doing something physical. For others, it's really talking about it with somebody. That I think that just allowing that emotion to go through you is so important because as, as this listener said in her question, um, she knows that she's having these symptoms from undigested or unprocessed emotions. And that's exactly it. When we don't process the emotions, when we don't allow them to move through us, they get stuck in us. And then they begin to grow in the sense of they show up as symptoms. They'll show up as pain. They'll show up as, you know, different illnesses or dysfunctions, right? So this idea of moving it through is so incredibly important. So for this listener, it's about identifying how she can process that through either movement or connection, or what are some of the other things in uh, the Ayurvedic toolkit that you could talk about with her? Yeah. So the connection is a big one. Movement is a good one. The breath is a really, really powerful one that you can do anytime. So using your breath again, uh, you know, your breath is connected to your physiology. It's also the way that we move prana or life force energy through us, which can help to clear out these kinds of blockages and these emotions. So just doing some simple breath work can be transformative. So I would say breath work would be another one. And then also, you know, there's a lot of energetic practices that people can do. Now, you know, that might be easier when you're starting out to go to a practitioner having acupuncture or marma therapy. Those are all really great things that you can do. But I think breath work from an energetic standpoint, but also from a tool that is a very powerful tool to use for processing emotions. What is marma therapy? Oh, so Marma Thera, we just talked about that in the last episode with Indu Aurora. So make sure that you listen to that episode. We'll link it in the show notes. But Marma Therapy is basically an Ayurvedic practice of acupoints, of using acupoints. And Marma, Marma points are junctions between consciousness and physiology. It's so incredibly interesting. And so you can learn to use Marma points to help shift and balance your energetic body. We talk all about Marma therapy in that episode. You guys should definitely listen to it. I learned so much. Great. Can't wait to hear it. So another question that we get quite often through social media in particular is are cleanses and detoxes safe? And what is an Ayurvedic cleanse? So this is a mixed bag. You know, cleanses and detoxes, it depends on what kind of cleanse, what kind of detox you're doing. I, I think the best way to start this answer is to, first of all, clarify what a cleanse is, right? Because cleanses have gotten, you know, this very interesting reputation in Western culture and in, West, in the Western wellness world. It's, you know, when I say the word cleanse, people think of very restrictive diets or, you know, eating behavior where you're not eating X, Y, and Z, you're only doing juices or water or whatever it is. Right. Which I, again, I'm not passing judgment on any of those things. They all have their place for different health issues. So it's hard to make a generalization about those, but what a cleanse is in Ayurveda is that it is a way for the body to rest and specifically for the digestion to rest. In Ayurveda, digestion is the key to health. We've known this for 5,000 years. Medical science is now showing us what we have known for 5,000 years, which is the gut is the second brain of the body, that it controls everything, right? The gut has a huge influence on every system in the body because of the microbiome, because of the neurotransmitters that are made um, in the gut it has a huge effect on our state of illness or wellness. And so 
the whole idea of doing a cleanse in Ayurveda is to basically reset the digestion, to give the digestion a break so that it can heal itself and then be started back up so that it, it can function more effectively. So what do I mean by that? Whenever I see somebody for an Ayurvedic consultation, the first thing that I'm trying to do when I'm sitting with them is to assess what is the state of their digestion, of their digestive fire, because that tells me so much about what's going on with them. Based on that, I'll make recommendations for their lifestyle and for their diet and for their movement and stress management and all of these different things and the practices I want them to, to start practicing. because. The first focus is to get your digestion working better because then everything else will start to work better too. So if your digestion is, let's say, really, really low, and the, the best way to, to think about digestion is to picture it like a campfire, you know, like when you go camping and there's a fire, just picture a campfire in your belly, okay? This is a, it's a great way to visualize it. When the fire is really, really low and it's like barely burning, your digestion's not working that well. It's not processing things. It's not able to take what it needs from the food nutrients that you have. It's not able to take what it needs from the experiences you're having. The bigger thing is that it's also not able to get rid of what it doesn't need, right? That's a big problem. That's actually true for any time the digestion's not working well. And so let's say the campfire is really, really low. We need to get it burning at a healthy level to be able to process everything that's coming in and so that you don't have that toxic load buildup, right? So it goes back to toxins. It's the same thing with if your digestion is, is burning too, too high, like, you know, a blazing campfire, that's not really helpful either. <laughs> so, you know, you, you need to actually bring it down and regulate it a little bit. And then in between that is that if it's going up and down and up and down, then it's so irregular that you're going to have all kinds of issues as well. So what we're aiming for is a digestion or digestive fire that kind of has that nice, even burn, like a campfire, like when you're singing songs around the campfire, and it's kind of like this healthy campfire that kind of keeps burning and we keep putting, you know, logs onto the fire. That's what we're trying to do when we do a cleanse. We're trying to just like, basically let's put the fire out. Let's just like give it a rest. So that's why you do a cleanse and you, you eat kitchery or you eat what's called a mono diet so that your body can just use the least amount of energy to process that. And it's really nutrient dense and it's easy on the body and the digestion. And then after some time, depending on what's going on with you, a week, two weeks, three weeks, depending on again, what's happening with you, you will actually begin to fire the digestion back up with the idea that the digestion will start to burn more evenly, like a healthy flame. And so that's what a cleanse is. So when you think about cleanses from that perspective, they're wonderful, right? It, who, who doesn't need a tune-up every now and then? And in Ayurveda, we say that you need that tune-up twice a year, that you should be doing some kind of a digestive rest two times a year in the springtime and then in the fall. All right. So at those junctions of seasons, those are the most um, beneficial times to do sort of a, a digestive reset. So from that perspective, a cleanse is a wonderful thing. Now, when it's a restrictive type of thing, um, that is when it's problematic. So I don't know that I answered the question exactly, <laughs> but I think from an Ayurvedic perspective, cleanses are digestive reset and they are a very, very good thing to do. So are they tailored per the individual? Yeah, absolutely. They're definitely, especially if somebody's having some major health issues, it's something called a pancha karma, which is, um, it's, it's a whole series of things that you do. It's, it's five different cleansings that can be included in that. And that, that is a very structured program. As far as what me and you or anybody could do that is not structured in that way, it's just giving yourself a digestive rest at the change of seasons. So maybe you say, you know, for three or four days, I'm going to not be drinking alcohol, not having caffeine, not having lots of sugar. These are all things that are hard on the digestive system. Okay. Even though they feel really good to us, they're very hard on our digestive system. So maybe you say, you know, for the next three or four days, I'm going to just 
really ease up on the kinds of foods. I'm going to try and make it one thing that's already cooked on an external fire. So my body doesn't have to work so hard. And I'm not going to eat raw vegetables and raw fruits. I'm going to eat cooked vegetables, really go light on the grains, maybe do soupy things, that kind of stuff that's easy for the body to digest and give your digestion a rest. And then along with that, the other thing I should say about cleanses or um, from an Ayurvedic perspective is that it's not just about food. Okay. Let's, that's really important. A cleanse is about rest for all of you, for mind, body, spirit, for all of your senses. So that means for these three or four days that I'm going to do this digestive reset, it's also a reset for my mind, my body, and my spirit. I'm going to clear my schedule. I'm not going to spend lots of times, you know, going out to things. I'm going to stay home and I'm going to do some reflection. I'm going to do some self-care. Um, there's all kinds of things that you can do to really help you again, going back to the question earlier from a listener to process all these toxins that may have been building up and to release them. Um, and so that's another important point about cleanses from an Ayurvedic perspective. It's not just food that we're talking about. So the common thread I keep hearing is about listening to your body and what, and what you need. Yeah. And just really tuning in. Exactly. Exactly. And that can be hard. You know, I, I know I say that a lot and I'm sure a lot of people are like, well, that's really hard to do. I don't know what I need. I get it. And so that's when you, you know, you start to look for guides for people who can help you start to distill what that is. But again, it has to be about you really going deep and thinking about what is it that you need and working as a partner with that facilitator, with that guide, with that health professional, um, so that it is a collaborative process, right? Because after all, it's you and me as a guide, I can never know exactly what you need until I collaborate with you to understand what it is you need. So this segues into the next question that we received. This comes from California. I know that living with the seasons is important in Ayurveda. What can I do to support my health as we move into spring? And I know you just touched on some of that uh, in talking about the cleanse. Yeah. So digestive reset or rest is a really good idea at the change of seasons. So I think, you know, the idea here with Ayurveda is that, you know, we live in harmony with nature on a daily basis, but also on a seasonal basis and really take your cues from the path of the sun. So, you know, a couple of things that you can do as we move into spring is first of all, we want to shake off sort of the accumulation that has happened from winter all of that stagnation, that earth, that water that has sort of built up, that was, a, you know, fine for winter. We need to release that now as we go into spring. And we see that mother nature does the same thing, right? The flowers are budding, the earth is thawing. So things are starting to grow again. There's lots of rain. It's kind of muddy and yucky. I mean, we're here in Chicago and that's what it's been like for the past two weeks, right? So you start to think about that, that what's happening in nature is also happening within me. There's all this stagnant water and earth that needs to be released. And so how can I help my system release that water and that, that earth? And so some of the easiest ways to do that are a couple of things is that this, this idea of shaking off the heaviness of winter, I always keep that in my head. Like, how can I like release that? Well, let's get moving a little bit, right? So first of all, what does that mean? Get up a little earlier. The sun is waking up earlier too, right? So you want to make sure that you are getting up a little bit earlier in the morning. In the winter, we sleep a little longer because the, the sun sleeps longer as well. Start waking up a little bit earlier and get moving. I find that getting outside, and I say this in general, but especially in the spring, getting outside first thing in the morning for a brisk walk is an amazing way to start shaking off some of that heaviness. You just feel good. It's sort of like you had that spring in your step, quite literally. That's what you want to really cultivate. So get outside early in the morning, 10, you know, 10 minutes even before 10 a.m., get that sun into your retina and reset your circadian rhythm. That's the first thing. The next thing is you want to lighten up the kinds of foods you've been eating, right? Over the winter, we all hibernate because it's cold outside, especially here in Chicago, we're all inside eating and drinking and whatever. And that's fine. 
But as we go into spring, let's kind of lighten up the foods, right? Let's do some bitter greens, more of the, um, you know, we're going to kind of ease up on those root vegetables, but you want to do soups and you could even, you know, start to introduce some smoothies, never cold. And it depends on how you do with raw foods. You just have to kind of see something that I've been doing is I've actually been making smoothies, but then actually cooking them as soups so that they're not so raw for me. And that's a great way to add more of those greens in, and it helps you to release a lot of that water that you've been holding. So increasing the greens, lightening up your diet. And then the other thing, like I said, was just getting moving, right? So doing a little bit more vigorous activity right? Something that gets your heart rate up a little bit. Again, you want to shake off that heaviness. So whether that means that you're doing more of a vinyasa flow style yoga, or that you're going for a faster paced walk or going swimming, whatever that means for you, depending on where you live, start doing some of those things. You can just be dancing a lot. I mean, whatever it is that helps get your heart rate a little up, that will help you. So those are three really simple things that you can do. Why is it important not to have cold beverages? Because if you think about it, let's go back to that image of the campfire in your stomach. If you put water on it, it's going to put it out. If you put cold water, it's definitely going to go out. Your body also just accepts warmer water uh, much easier. You can do an experiment, drink some cold water, see how you feel when it's going in. Some people will say, oh, it's so refreshing. I get it. But like do it in the morning when you first wake up. Now, after you've been working out, do it in the morning and have a cold, cold glass of water and see how that feels. And then the next day, try doing a warm glass of water and see how that feels. You just feel better. It's much better for your body to take in warm water. The other thing is, is your body has to do a lot more work when it's something cold. It has to do a lot of work to deal with that cold water, to bring it down to a temperature that it can accept it. So just help your body out and do warm. And that's any time of the year. Yeah, that's any time of the year, for sure. Any time of the year. Great. Okay, this next question is from a listener about insomnia. Hmm. I've been experiencing insomnia. I exercise and eat healthy. So I'm really not sure what to do next. Okay. Well, those are good things that they're eating healthy and exercising. Now, without knowing a lot about this person, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make some general recommendations. Whenever I talk to someone about sleep, I ask them what they're doing during the daytime. And here's why I firmly believe that you began preparing for sleep in the morning. And it's very counterintuitive to think about this. And I will tell you, my kids are always like rolling their eyes when I say this to them, because they're both, you know, one's in college and one just graduated from college. So they're in that time of life where they're up all night and all this stuff, but you know, it really does your, your preparation for sleep begins in the morning. And what do I mean by that? That means that when you wake up, you want to make sure that you reset your circadian rhythm, right? Melatonin and cortisol are so important for sleep patterns. And if we can regulate, help our bodies regulate melatonin and cortisol, by making sure we reset every morning by getting that natural sunlight into our retina so that our brain reads the signal of like, oh, let's turn off the melatonin. Let's turn on the cortisol now, right? That's important. So that's the first thing. The next thing is, is that, you know, I think that part of a big part of the reason that many people suffer from insomnia is that their stress response is just in high gear 24 seven. Um, and they are having this stress response all the time. And so I think that starting to create these points of safety, these touch points throughout the day where your nervous system can say, Oh, I'm safe. I'm okay. I can relax. It's almost like you have to retrain your system to be able to relax. It's almost like, you know, none of us know how to relax anymore. So we're in high gear all the time. Of course, we're not going to be able to sleep. So learning how to have those touch points throughout the day is really important. So what can you do? You can do a mindful breath, a mindful pause a few times a day, set an alarm on your phone that reminds you to breathe, take three minutes to just sit down, close your eyes, 
take a few deep breaths in and out, extend your exhale, and then come back to whatever you were doing. What you've just done is you've basically told your body you can relax. You don't have to be so stressed out all the time. You're okay, right? So you're creating these touch points throughout the day to help you downshift or shift into the parasympathetic system. So that would be another thing. The other thing is, you know, and again, these are simple things that I think a lot of us just don't think about is when are you drinking caffeine? How late in the day are you having it? For some people, you cannot have it later than 11 o'clock. I would say the absolute cutoff is one o'clock for sure. So this whole idea of having a coffee break in the afternoon with caffeine or tea, whatever it is that you have at three o'clock, it is so bad for our sleep um, because we are very stimulated by that caffeine. You can say, oh yeah, I, you know, it doesn't affect me. I'm telling you, it does affect you. Your body needs a certain amount of time to actually metabolize everything that's in the, in the coffee. So you want to make sure that you are really regulating how late you were having caffeine of any kind. And then along with that is alcohol. You know, a lot of people think that alcohol is very relaxing. And yes, while it's relaxing in a cognitive sense, it's the worst thing we can do for sleep. It's very disruptive to sleep. So think about that as well. Does it matter what time they exercise or does that vary? Oh yeah. So exercise, thank you for bringing that up. Yes. Exercise is a tricky thing. So for some people, and this goes back to sort of depending on your genetic makeup, but sometimes doing exercise too late into the evening can actually be very activating for people. So I would take a look at what time am I exercising? If I'm having insomnia, I'm probably exercising too late in the day where it's actually activating me and not helping me to sort of burn off some energy and, and go into that time to relax. I would say it's best to do exercise before five o'clock if you can. Some people have to do it around six or seven because of their jobs. But, you know, again, if you're having a lot of issues with insomnia, it may be time to look at that exercise time. And then the last thing is just creating that bedtime routine, making sure that you're not exposed to blue light too close to nighttime, because again, that stimulates the brain, the pineal gland in the brain to think that, oh, it's daytime. I should keep making cortisol and not turn off the cortisol and turn on the melatonin. So, um, which helps us sleep. So just make sure that the blue light is off at least an hour and a half to two hours before you're planning on going to bed. And is timing your eating also important for sleep? Yeah. The other thing that we can go into is that, you know, really looking at um, when am I eating my largest and heaviest and most difficult to digest meal. In Ayurveda, we always say to do that at lunchtime because our digestive fire is the highest. If you do it at nighttime, your body is working really hard to try and digest that. And you can do an experiment. I mean, you know, for most of us, if we eat a really heavy meal, um, it's not so comfortable going to sleep. We, we feel heavy <laughs> and, and our bodies are really working hard. So try and lighten up what you're eating at nighttime and try and make your dinner earlier. So again, that you have some time to digest before you go to bed. That will help a lot too. And as we go into spring or are into spring right now, how does that change your sleep cycle or how should you think about things differently? Yeah. So I think, that, again, the thing is, is that the days are getting a little bit longer. And so for some people, we can stay up a little bit longer, you know, by the summertime, we are staying up a little longer because the sun is out longer and that's okay. But we're also waking up earlier because <laughs> the day is longer, right? So I think really being um, aware of that and how much sleep you need. So even if the sun is staying up longer and you really want to stay up, if you know you don't do well with less of sleep, still go to sleep, you know, make sure you're in a darkened room and try and stick to your bedtime of, you know, 10 o'clock or whatever it is, but make sure you're still getting up early. You want to wake with the sun that will really help you, um, in every aspect of your life, um, you know, with how you're feeling in general. Uh, and then getting that sun in the morning is important as well. Okay. We have so many more questions, but I think we'll hold off on some of those for, for next yeah. month. Yeah. This is great though. The uh, response for people to submit questions was overwhelming. So 
Yeah, it was. It was amazing. I mean, we have we have questions probably for the entire year right now, which is amazing, but we still want you to keep sending them in because I think it's helpful to see what questions a lot of people have, because then I know we need to talk about that. And we also need to get um, experts in those different areas on to talk about some of these subjects that people have a lot of questions about. So keep sending the questions in. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes again um, for leaving voice messages with questions. So Great. Okay. I'm really excited about this last question though, because <laughs> we finally get to turn the tables at the end of every episode, you ask your guests the same questions. And so I'm going to turn it on you this time. Okay. Sounds good. This I did not expect. <laughs> <laughs> turn this on you. If I offer up the phrase healing catalyst, what does that bring up for you? I think for me, The healing catalyst really brings up this idea of listening to the healer that's within you, of really, really starting to tune into what you know inside of you already. That doesn't mean that you're going to have all the answers um, clarified. You do have all the answers, but it may not be clear and you need some help clarifying those answers. But I think really having that healing catalyst or understanding the healing catalyst is really going within and starting to trust yourself more. So I would say that's really what it means to me. That's beautiful. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. This was so much fun. This was so much fun. I can't wait to do this again with you next month. Me too. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the healing catalyst. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass it along to a friend. And if you're feeling really inspired, please rate and review so that others can find this podcast more easily. To learn more, head to avantikumarsingh.com. And to connect with me directly, find me on Instagram at avantikumarsingh. I'll be back next week and hope that you will be too. Until then, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing because healing starts within.